Bond showed us why he's never been called in to give Patrice Evra a character reference. I don't think you'd find a Liverpool fan anywhere that actually likes Evra, and that has nothing to do with the incident that probably occurred. He is just a general wanker, uh, so to speak, and the fact that he played for Man United and his um, general personality, the way he came across as an individual, he wasn't well-liked like most Man United players aren't. Will Gregg was on fire, and everyone is terrified. Will Gregg's on fire, your defence is terrified. Will Gregg's on fire, your defence is terrified. Will Gregg's on fire. Everybody! Dan pointed out that some people in very high places have taken our advice from episode one. It was a tactical masterclass by Paul Cook, the Wigan manager. He was obviously listening. He was obviously listening to us last week. We said, "Don't go tune up against ten men." He kept it at 1-0 against City's 10 <laughs> Clearly a what-the-fuck for all listeners. Dan gives us another crash course in coaching. So that's the thing. Get your plan A. Make your plan A work. Mm. It's always better than your plan B and your plan C and your plan D. Dibs catches Dan out in one of his questions. Your all question was awfully, awfully vague, though, to be fair. Did, were you asking did, who, who scored the most how vague or was, what team scored the how most? Vague was, I said, how many, what's the record uh, for a yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Dan justifies having his own segment. Okay, Dan, do we have a... Uh, do we have another no, one? just one per week, mate. I don't want to overdo it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, He's that, come that, out with one, one per week. It's worth the, uh, the big intro. That was exactly, that's a couple. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, I say what's been on everyone's minds for a long time. I consider myself one of the greatest minds in football, but I'm still not managing Arsenal or Liverpool. So, so the wanker of the week is Pat Gilbert. <laughs> Welcome to episode three of What the Football, the podcast where we don't mind disagreeing with each other. In fact, we kind of like it. Today we have all our hosts on the line, Dan Haswell and Mike Dibbon in South Africa, Jared Southern in Texas. And Conteo and myself, Pat Gilbert, down under here in Australia. Every week we pick at least one match to analyse in detail, and considering Arsenal had the League Cup final followed by two games this week, we thought we'd focus on them. Little did we know at the time the magnitude of the results. As a reminder, I'm the only Arsenal supporter on the show, currently surrounded by Liverpool, Chelsea and Man United followers, so it's fair to say they are more eager to get into this analysis than I am. But I will push on, and hopefully... We will find out how to fix Arsenal. Before we get into the match analysis, however, let's kick things off with the segment that everyone has been talking about. It is what the football trivia. Yes, he does see more than us. That's why he hosts this trivia segment. It's our self-anointed star, Daniel Haswell. Welcome. Oh, yes, welcome, Pat. Elton John, what a beauty. What a beauty. <laughs> Watford's uh, never been as good since he was owner. So That's what fine. do you have for us today, mate? Question. Jared, Jared, just keep quiet for a minute. Just for once, right. please. Yeah. Okay, so guys, we're complaining that we just said one last week, so let's have a, let's have a double bill. 
Uh, coming up just after our podcast is Crystal Palace versus Man United. So I'll just give you the trivia, not a question. This match actually holds a record in that Crystal Palace haven't beaten United in 17 attempts. And that is an English Premier League record. So I'm touching wood really hard here. Excuse us, nice, tasty. Excuse us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so, so then, then we're doing we're doing this segment a little bit differently this week. So, so uh, yep. we don't we don't want to con or anyone to suddenly jump out with the answer, do we? So we want no. we're, we're so going to give so the answers so at so the end. Yeah, here's the question. You ready? Ready. I suppose so. Which team? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be clear this time because we had all the all the conjecture and objections last time. So, which team in the English Premier League is the best at corners? There you go. Current team, or as in the history of the Premier League? Oh, uh, again with the vagueness. Is, this season, here we go. This season. This season. Do, do we all shut at once, or do we wait for put our hands up or what? Well, the way this well, will work, Dan, Dan will Dan yeah. will return later on in the segment to give us the answer, right. so so all, all right, of us can have a think yes. about it. <laughs> See you, Dan. We'll catch you in about twenty five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Just checking Google as we speak. Okay, yeah, so it's time to search us. So, for those at home listening in, see if you can come up with the answer before Dan gives it to you later in the episode. Which team in the EPL is the best at corners? And that's a bit of a, a vague, bit of a vague question. What does the best mean? Okay, do I, do I need to clarify that? Does that mean they cross the ball well, or they scored the most bicycles? Or they have got tall defenders? Okay, which <laughs> which team scores? <laughs> Highest percentage of their goals from corners. Ah, uh, the highest percentage. So not the most number of goals this season from corners. The highest percentage. So that's, so that's a kick taken from within the corner arc. <laughs> oh my god! Even if you're red hot and tender. Yeah, shit. Can you imagine? Uh, this is becoming Five actually left. a brilliant that's segment. You should change the name to Dan's vague trivia question. <laughs> oh, well, we'll, be trending off the charts. we'll be trending off the charts. Okay, brilliant, Dan. Okay, we'll be back with the answer to that one later on. So, okay, so let's move on to the main game. So let's start it off with the Manchester City versus Arsenal game. Um I can see a few hosts getting very excited on the line here. Um, Which one, Pat? Well, Which let's <laughs> the first one, Manchester City. Let, 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 let's go through a bit of a narration of the uh, game. The one, you, the one you lost 3-0. <laughs> or, or the one you lost 3-0. <laughs> no, but the other one wasn't 3-0. Thank you. Thank you. It was 3-1, I believe. Oh, yes. oh okay. Well, so so, so let's, let's start off the Man City game. So... This is this is the uh, the league game. We're not going to f- focus on the league cup, but we will mention it because the league cup we started off with a five four one formation with only the four in the midfield. When you're trying to be innovative, playing the wing back system, um, which was a mistake from the word go. So we moved in the league and went went a four two three one style formation. So we basically matched their midfield for our midfield, and 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 it, it went. 
it went it went really well, guys. So, but, so. <laughs> yeah, in the second half. Okay, so so the, the, this is where this is where it's going to be interesting because I'm going to go through this, and I actually thought we played pretty well that game. Sure, we lost three 0 Scoreline was disastrous. Turn it but I didn't think the result, uh, the performance was disastrous. So let's go. Arsenal had the first couple of shots, one by Mkhitaryan, straight straight at Eda. What's his name? Edda? Edison? I forgot what his name is. Edison, sorry. Yeah, Edison, still, yeah. still, still before six in the morning. I'll get a few names wrong. <laughs> um, so we, we were matching it for them. Um, and then there was just an amazing run by Sane. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that goal. I hope you did. Awesome run from the left wing. Just goes to pass yeah. two of our, two of our, our defenders. Peter didn't see it either. Yeah, Peter Cech didn't see it. He passed it in for Bernardo Silva, who cut in and um, and hit a beautiful shot by Cech. I mean, that, that that's one of the ones you almost can't do anything about. You can be dominating a game, you get a bit of brilliance, but it's the almost can't do anything about, which worries me, guys, because I mentioned that Bernardo Silva was allowed to cut in. In fact, both Sane and Bernardo Silva were allowed, allowed to cut in on this occasion. Um, Sane cut in from the left to the right in front of Mustafi. Um, and that's almost forgivable. Sane had a full head of steam. Um, Mustafi just got wrong-footed. However, you'd think you'd, you'd want to force him wide, wouldn't you? Can I ask you something, Pat? Yeah. Because I know, I know we're a bit um, pressed for time. No, we're not. Talking we're not. We're not. No. <laughs> Instead of oh, God, talking go. about what Arsenal got got wrong, don't you want to talk about what Arsenal got right? I've finished. I've done that. <laughs> We we did the four two three one formation. Yeah, yeah, we actually started the right formation. But you know, I just want to I just want to touch on a few things in detail because they are, they are symptomatic of what's wrong with Arsenal, in my opinion. So so here it is, the amateur defending. Either they haven't done their homework on the players, or they have done the homework and Wenger's tried to do the homework and tell them this and these instructions and the players are just too dumb to listen so as I said I'm okay I'm sort of okay with Mustafi getting cut inside with Sane okay he maybe showed him to where all the other defenders were thinking that they'd look after him but if I was a defender I probably would have shown him the line a bit more and say okay I'll push you wide make you cross it in but what is unforgivable I think is Bernardo Silva once the ball is played to Bernardo Silva he cuts in onto his favourite left foot on Kalasinac and just drills it in the top corner. I mean, all you got to do is show him his non-favourite foot when he gets the ball. What do you think, but guys? Is, is, that, is that ridiculous defending? Well, the thing is, if, if you let him cross it, as you saw yesterday against Brighton and Hove Albion, two crosses into the box, two goals. So no matter what you do, well, no matter what Arsenal do at the moment, they're going to concede. Whether it's a cross into the box, shot from the outside or just weak defending weak midfield play so you know where where are you getting it right in front of goal and, and check yeah I mean that's yeah but I think again. fundamentally you've 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 nailed it on the head there Pat if, if they're not gonna if they're not gonna do the fundamentals then you don't know what your defenders are doing your keeper doesn't know what what to look out for yeah yeah that's you, that's 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 basic 1v1 defending Exactly. Start off with the fundamentals, get them right, and if they do happen to score from across, and it is a very good point, and we'll get to that. 
Brighton game, that's for sure. Um, very good point that they're still conceding from these crosses. I mean, you probably have to say Manchester City set up a bit differently from Brighton, so you'd think we'd probably be able to deal with that cross rather than a, a monster Glenn Murray in the box destroying all our defenders physically. Um, we're moving, moving on to everything was good and then good again for a few minutes. We were looking good again after we were 1-0 down. Um, there was a sign of things to come where Xhaka thought it was a good idea in the 18th minute to do a high chip across ground to our central defender to put him under pressure in midfield, but he, but he somehow got away from that. But it just highlights the... It's an example of his poor decision-making, which I really feel is a problem when you've got your designating holding midfielder who just cannot make a correct decision on the football field. Um, and Arsenal went forward. He had a cutback from Bellerin to Ramsey, forcing a good save from Edison again. But then, next goal. And this... This is really frustrating. Um, a, a defensive midfielder. There, there was some great play by Manchester City, but I was looking at it from the Arsenal side. And our defensive midfielder, once again, Xhaka, Xhaka, whatever you want to call him, Ferry Xhaka, does not track the, the the Silver run. David Silver this time. Yeah. David Silver plays a simple one-two with with Aguero. And what does what does Xhaka do? He runs towards the ball, following the ball towards Aguero. So Silver just runs through unmarked. I mean, that's your defensive midfielder, guys. What is up with that? What the football? Yeah, yeah. Again, again, fundamentals and also whole defensive organisation. Uh, the one thing I don't like about him, he doesn't seem to be a communicator either. So, you know, and, and for your holding midfielder, that's got to be a crucial aspect of his game. He's he's, he's got to be communicating the whole time. He's got to get the midfielders around him. Uh, Covering covering those runs if he's not going to be able to do it, yeah. So, so you Dibs, might you... see a lot of David Louise actually, because if you watch David Louise more recently when he when he played for Chelsea, he or, you know, I say played because we don't know if that's going to happen again. He plays wants to play every position except the one that he's in. So Xhaka is constantly trying to get up and attack and not worrying about defence too much, and we know that he's got a rocket for a left foot. But how many of these crackers has he scored for Arsenal? One, yeah, that, maybe that's, bec- that's becoming a bit of folklore now. He scored he scored one goal basically in the first game he played for us. And it was yeah. a brilliant rocket. And since then, he's taken, fucking goal. since then he's taken two or three shots every game and I don't think he's he's really got close with any of them. But No, he's but, firing completely wide. No, so, so, so Dibs, t- talk us through. I mean, Chelsea... Got Conte, the the defensive midfielder Conte, not the coach. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, there we go. What 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 is the value of uh, what have you, what value are you seen in having Conte in your team? Well, just like I said, he knows the exact position he's playing, and he's there for a job, and he's doing the job. He's he's like a he's like a Jack Russell, you know. He sees a ball, he's gonna chase that thing all day, every day, and never get tired. He's he compared to old Jisung Park back in the day. I don't know, he wasn't a defensive midfielder, but he ran his ass off and he never stopped. They called him third line. I think it's the same as Kansa. He just keep keeps wanting to work and wanting to do something. Whereas Jack is like, I'm gonna try and bang one in. Oh no, it went wide. Better try and break someone's ankle now. Yeah, I, I don't see that Terry aspect, and that's a good that, that that's a good an- analogy. I don't see that Terry. I see him occasionally trying to lay a tackle if if they goes past him, he'll just look at them and go, oh, bugger, 
they've gone past me. Yeah. Whereas with Conte, yeah, he comes back, back second, third, tech, second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time. He keeps going at them. And, uh, exactly. And, and, and that, that's what I see as one of the problems at Arsenal. We, Dan, Dan, Dan also said we don't have, he, he doesn't communicate. So he's, he's not the, the enforcer, the general. I mean, I've been used to having no. Pat, Patrick Vieira, Emmanuel Petit back in that defensive midfield line, and they just boss the midfield. And yeah, yeah. and he's, he's anonymous most of the time, really. He, he just plays sideways passes, and he's anonymous. Yeah, I'll come in here and say, I hate that term defensive midfielder. Absolutely hate it. Banished it from all my players, all my teams, because really, it, it just... It puts the it just puts the player in a pigeonhole. He performs a far more important role when you think about it, because what does he do when the team has the ball? Is he defending? Is he <laughs> provide? Is he providing an outlet? Of course he is. So this this defensive midfielder term just implies that there's a player there whose job is literally just to win the ball and kick it away. Um, no, it's clearly not the case. But... No, it can't be. If you look at it, look at the top sides in the world, they don't, they don't have one. Yeah, look at Barcelona. Who Xavi's played in that position? He's not really. Yeah, or well, Busquets. Yeah, and uh, Man City. Who's who's the defensive midfielder at Man City? Fernandinho. Fernandinho. Uh, that's a fair shot. Jeepers. He initiates play. He initiates play from deep all the time. So, so this is the thing. If if that's Chaka's role, then then Arsenal are behind the trend by 20, 30 years, and they might as well get Lee Catamol in there. You'd like your defensive midfielder to be able to distribute quite a bit. Like you could almost call Fabregas a bit of a defensive mid in terms of where he plays, but his job is to get the ball and ping it to someone on the other side of the field, and he does. Yeah, that well, that's what I'm saying. Jacka Jacka from, doesn't do that at all. No, I'm, agree, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. From a positional and philosophical, you know, let's let's call him a. A deep lying midfielder or a holding midfielder, whatever. Yep, deep, deep lying midfielder. I like that terminology because yeah, we, we want them to be creating play, uh, constructing rebound from the back, all that sort of stuff. We it's want nice them supporting the attack nice when they go forward. Yep. Okay, Con, did you have something to say? Well, I, I agree with you in the sense. Um, one thing, going back to the game, you know, Arsenal did start off well in that. Um, in that league game, I just feel some of the decisions by the players are just, they're getting, they seem to be getting worse weekly. And I know we'll move on to the Brighton game, but it's just, it's averageness across the park that seems to have set in. And mm. it appears Wenger cannot, you know, cannot inspire this team to change in the slightest, which is a big worry because you know, he, he still believes he can get them out of this rut. This is now four games in a row Arsenal have lost, which is the first time they've done that since, uh, I don't know, you know, I think it was the early 2000s or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with this team, and it's been there, it's been pr- pretty much um, within them probably for the last few years, is there's just no hunger or, or, or desire or somebody that takes this game by the scruff of their neck and really you know, drives that team forward. You probably had Sanchez for a period that, you know, sometimes did that. But since he's left, um, they just seem to be progressively getting worse. 
And I just don't see a light at the end of the tunnel for Arsenal. Uh, I can't see how Wenger pulls this out. You know, losing to Brighton is probably the lowest point of the season at the moment. But it's a culmination of a number of things. You guys have lost 10 or 11 games in one season. It's been a dreadful away uh, record all season. It, I, I don't know where to from from here for Arsenal. If I were an Arsenal fan, if you remind me a lot of, um, you know, I hate to say it, but where Liverpool were a few years back after, you know, sort of Rafa left and we had that, that Hodgson period, just absolutely going nowhere. They're not that bad. Well, it's, it's heading there. It's draw a line, yeah. The longer Wenger stays there, as far as I'm concerned, winning your, you know, you guys bang on about winning cups and how great that is. What has winning the FA Cup done for Arsenal? Absolutely nothing. Sweet it's made Wenger's contract. Well, made it work. That, that's been great. Yeah, that's been great. Yeah. Yeah, there's two points you guys brought up, and I think I think they're really good points. So first of all, Con, you were saying that we're getting worse, and we are, and and it's fair to say that these defensive issues are not new. These defensive issues have been around for years, and um, and probably ever since Arsene Wenger's backline, which he inherited, disbanded, and he tried to build another one. These defensive issues have been there for a long time, oftenly masked due to the fact that we were just a dominant midfield and going forward. Um, so if, if we look at the third goal, because up to this stage at Manchester City, you could make an argument that Arsenal were the better side, but 2-0 down. Ooh, but, but, <laughs> but having said that, even if we mounted that argument, it's almost the same old, same old Arsenal, isn't it, in, in that fact where we can be doing well, but then we just go, oh, copped a goal. Then we go do well for another 15 minutes, dominate play almost, and then cop another goal. And it's these lapses. So so that's not saying we're getting better. It's just saying this is just us doing our normal thing against the top teams. Looking good, but not getting the results. So if, I just want to go through the third goal and then, then throw it over to you guys a bit more. Because this is a really, really highlights, or it basically encapsulates some of the problems at Arsenal. So... So in this instance, City were at the right-back position. Um, I forget who from City had the ball, because we're talking about Arsenal at the moment. And we've got we've got uh, Ozil and Ramsey pressing the right-back. It's a two-on-two press. I actually heard one of the, one of the commentators after the game saying, oh, that you probably shouldn't be pressing them, because blah, blah, blah. And that you, but listen, to me, that's when you do press. You've got the team... Heads in their corner, the right back, you're pressing two on two. But you should be able to press in that situation, safe in the knowledge that your team behind you have gone man on man to stop any easy balls out and make sure you win the ball if they clear the ball out of that position. But what happens? We've got Xhaka with has suddenly taken Aguero for some reason. So Aguero's drifted onto Xhaka in the midfield. And then uh, we've got Kossiani and Mustafi, who are just standing in the middle central defensive midfield, uh, sorry, central defensive position in the middle of the park. We've all pushed up with nobody. And I'm going, okay, City's on their right back position. If they're going to clear the ball out, where's it going to go, guys? It's going to go down City's right hand side or your left hand side. So why is Jaka one on one marking Aguero? Get someone else over there. Let's get a two on one. Make sure you win that ball. And then what happens, even worse, just as City about to play the ball out, Xhaka 
just wanders away from Aguero. Okay, so you've got this the, the ne- their main striker. He's going. He's just going. My Christmas has come again. I mean, and this happened the whole day. He was just able to sit in these pockets of space with nobody picking him up, and the ball obviously gets passed out to Aguero. Costiano goes, "Ah, oh, crap! What the fuck am I doing? I'm thirty meters away from Aguero." He 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 legs it over to Aguero. Off balance, Aguero turns, taps yeah. it past him. Suddenly, the overlap's created, and and the speed of the city players to get behind the defence after that was brilliant to watch. But once again, there was just no defensive nous in this Arsenal team, and Arsene Wenger has not been able to teach any ever since he's got there, and I don't know what this defending is all about. This is what kills me, guys. Yeah, I think you're getting to the point of it, Pat. And these are these are tactical situations. You know, when when we're attacked in this way, how do we respond? Um, and Arsenal just just don't seem to. It just seems everything is is totally off the cuff. As you said, it's it's one v one defending. Uh, mm. Let's see if this guy can win the ball, and it's just totally reactive. Uh, and those aren't tactical situations. You know, these are situations that you have to predict to a certain extent, and you have to work them out. The defence has to be working together. And when we're talking about defence, that's that's the entire team. Mm. Um, yeah. And so if we get we get back to that defensive midfielder story, if Chaka's role is a ball-winning midfielder, then he must go around and win the ball. Uh, that's what I said. If he's the holding midfielder, then it's important that he's keeping shape and he's organising and communicating with guys. Uh, it's I think one thing that that Chelsea were doing very well. They use Kante sometimes as a ball-winning midfielder. He goes and he wins the ball. But then you'll notice they've got another midfielder that's holding the shape. So Kante can leave his uh, his up. area, his zone or his area, uh, and he can and he knows, as you said, he can go in and win this ball. He's got that cover. Uh, Arsenal just don't seem to do this. It's all just very, very uh, reactive and and one v one based. Mm. Yeah. Dan, you, touched, you touched on it earlier when you said you know, Plan A. And we, everyone knows Arsenal's playing that. We know how Arsenal's going to play. They've done it for 20 years, 20, what, 25 years since Wenger's been there. It's that technical, good, intricate passing. And if that plan A isn't working, which it isn't, because I don't think Arsenal have the quality as they have in the years gone by. They sold their best player. They're probably they're arguably the second best player, Method Ozil, who, you know, we have a guy at Jackson winning the ball, but you know, Ozil's probably one of the laziest players in the Arsenal team. So you yeah, have but that's... team. And then... So their plan A is not working, and they can't defend. So they're obviously, you know, they're sort of losing losing games. Up but that's but that's, but that's when they have the ball, Jazz, which is no, fine. No. But what but what are we doing when we lose the ball and when the other team has the ball? Exactly, and, and they uh, don't have the. They can't even consider earlier. They just, they just like, it's almost like they couldn't they couldn't care. Wenger sits on the bench and he watches everything. I know that's been the style for years. So we can't just say you know Wenger. He's not that coach who gets in the technical area and gets in the player's faces, but just there's no leadership on the field. You got no one. You got no one. Uh, maybe Jack Wilsh is the only one you can say is really trying to get involved. Maybe I don't know. Gonna Jack yeah, Lord, I think, was, I think one criticism of Wenger, one criticism of Wenger that may be true is just the t- the type of uh, background staff that he's brought in. He just doesn't. There just doesn't seem to be that sort of. 
rigorous exchange of ideas. Other than Steve Bold, who else is involved in, at, at Arsenal? We don't really know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and as we say, tactic, tactically, there has to be major issues. You know against Man City, you're not going to have the majority of possession. Mm. So if you say our game plan is about possession, well, then you're already in trouble. You're already in trouble, yeah. Got to adapt, yeah. Yeah, that's the key. I mean, possession-wise, we, we were about 60% possession up to about the 60% the 60-minute mark of that game. And we'd had more shots. more When we ended up ending the game with more shots on goal, more shots in, from inside the box, gee, we, we, we were just... We just wasted them, and they were, and they were clinical, and our defence gave them the easy opportunities. But, but, but that's all camouflaging the issue. So, in a nutshell, I think, but what I've written down here, we've got these are some of the problems. We've got a defensive midfielder with poor decision. Sorry, sorry, Dan, a deep lying midfielder with poor decision making and marking skills. A defensive group, a defensive group that plays a high line with no defensive nous or tactical expertise. We've got, and this goes to Jared's point. We've got two attacking. Midfielders, can we call them attacking mids, Dan? I, th- I think we can in this instance because they don't do anything defensively. So we've got two attacking mids, <laughs> Özil and Mikatarian, who simply cannot win a contest. Cannot win a contest. Um, but Mikatarian, I was at least Özil tries to win a contest. Mikatarian, man, I tell you what, you remember when you you go to training and your coach has put on some token pressure, and but so which, which means. Which means don't put a tackle in. We're, we're executing a, a, an attacking type drill. Just put token pressure yeah. so they got to pass around Pass, you. Passive defending or whatever. That's what Mikatarian does. You see him. <laughs> I've never seen him actually tackle. He he runs towards someone, and as he gets closer, he slows down and slows down further, or he just runs alongside him, and and you know he's not going to tackle him. So he's just a token pressure guy, <laughs> and it's just it's embarrassing. And then to compound those three problems, you've got a keeper who unfortunately is well past it. He's really showing some horrible signs this last month. Uh, he's probably good for us a couple of years. I was wrapped to get him in, but this year he's well past it. So, so to me, they're the four big issues. Only four issues, which isn't too bad, seeing that's only half the team, really, which is a problem, and we haven't really touched <laughs> upon the other half. But uh, we'll touch on not even mentioned the main problem, which is your manager. And yes, and that was the other point that that was it. Connor Jared brought it up earlier. It was it was Wenger, and he was given a two year contract, which is but which was to my mind was basically this is your last chance type of contract. And my guys, when does that ever work? Surely, and I, I want to get each of you to give give me your opinion on this. If you give someone basically a last chance two year contract, does that mean they're just going to plan for the for the now, and they're not going to set up the club for long term success? Because all I've seen from Wenger since in the last 12 months is is knee-jerk buying of players that probably he doesn't need, but he's just hoping to get this 29-year-old gun striker in who's going to solve, solve all his problems. Um, and it's and I don't see any planning for the next few years. We've, we, lo- we lost Sanchez because he wanted to, probably wanted to hang on to him to hope that he could get him to win something this year and instead we ended up losing Oxley chamberlain because he couldn't get a game we ended up not playing any of our youngsters like reese nelson and willock and all because we, we kept ozil and sanchez probably for longer than we could have instead of getting 150 mil out of them both at the start of the year so does this ever work actually saying you've got one or two years left you gotta you gotta show us something or is it a recipe for disaster 
and it, it, it's, it's a recipe for disaster now and for whoever comes in after him. Because, like you say, he's got all these patched players who's trying to who he's trying to put together to make something happen. And as you saw with Liverpool, you know, we lost Rafa, then we got Hodgson, then we got Dalglish, and then Rodgers, and then Klopp. So we had like five managers within the same amount of years. So I predict a similar thing happened to Arsenal. You get rid of Wenger, you'll get someone else. He won't get the results. They'll find it easier to ship him off because he hasn't been there that long, doesn't have the history, doesn't have the success. The next guy will go, and then you know, then where we, 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 we will Arsenal be? You know, when 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 next will Arsenal play in the Champions League? They're not going to make it this year. If Wenger goes at the end of this year and they get a new coach, and if they don't, if they don't make wholesale changes, like go for a real young guy, a new philosophy, just bring complete change to the football club, then you have a coach maybe for you know six months, and he, the results aren't going his way. They'll find it easier to ship him off, and then they'll get another guy. So then you'll be, you know, you'll be in transition between coach and coach. And, and because you've kept Wenger for so long. And the unfortunate thing is is that the disrespect that Wenger's getting from his own fans, and half of it is his own doing because he stayed too long, but we can't forget what he did for the club. And the horrible thing is when he does leave, when he does have his last game at the Emirates, he's not going to get the send-off and the respect, unfortunately, that you know he probably deserves for what he, for what he did over you know what he's been there since 96. And unfortunately, the only thing he never won was the European Cup. Let me put this one to you, Pat. Does I think it's it's taken now that he's they're not they're not making top four. So does he do a Mourinho and now focus on Europa League? Well, he's got to surely, surely he's because got to. That, to now, that's his only chance to, of. Up, up to now, he's been playing basically a, a B team in those games. Yeah, well, I think he's got to. The only chance of Arsenal having any form of success for this season is Europa. If he gets into the Champions League by winning that, then you could say it's a reasonable season. Um, so otherwise, it's a it's a horrible season. Yeah, the only problem with that is uh, last season, I think United were, were quite fortunate in that the Europa League thinned out for whatever reason. I mean, they were playing oh, teams like Celta Vigo in the semi-final with all due respect, not a major force. Uh, a very young Ajax team in the final, that sort of thing. If you look at the Europa League now, uh, Arsenal got Milan, uh, Atletico are still in there, Dortmund, Lazio, uh, <laughs> you know, so there's, there's still big teams in there. Uh, and I don't see it uh, diluting as it did last season. So if Arsenal are going to win that, then, he, then they've really got to focus and and pull that one out of the bag, and I'm not sure I see that happening either. Not against a Milan side that's played the best they've played for a long time. Yeah, Gattuso is revitalised. Yeah, he's brought <laughs> yeah. the right back. Yeah. Well, see, the secret is we've just got to time it. Every second game we seem to play well. So that's the Arsenal <laughs> at the moment. If we catch them on our second game, yeah, we true. might we might have a chance. So we've spoken a lot about Arsenal. So. We probably don't want to go to the Brighton game in a lot of detail, but I just want to. I just wrote one main thing down, and it it goes back to Con's point earlier. When I was watching the Brighton game, I wrote down, "Who gives Arsenal the energy?" Because in in, in some teams, there there are players that pick up the other guys by the scruff of the neck if they're having a quiet or poor game. I mean, you think back to back to Roy Keane and Man United, Dan. You 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 think. I mean, you, I always think of Vieira. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I mean, I mean. Man United Arsenal in the heyday had about six guys in the team that would basically pick yeah, up yeah. anyone that's... And in Arsenal, I think 
Con mentioned earlier, it was probably Sanchez. He was the energy in our team. You take him out, and and especially, I mean, the warning signs for Brighton were from the from the team announcement. We didn't have any Ramsey, <laughs> and we Chambers came in for Bellerin. I mean, Chambers is just a disaster waiting to happen every time he steps on the field. <laughs> that guy, and so I thought we're in trouble here right from the word go because Ramsey gives us energy, Sanchez gives us energy, or did, and. And the Brighton game, I mean, Awobi came in, he doesn't give us energy. No one in that team gave us energy and no one could inspire, whether or not it's the manager's job, whether or not it's the on-field generals to inspire. And Ozil just looked like he was going to cry. Poor guy. I, was, I, 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 felt, I felt felt sick watching Arsenal and, and, and Ozil that game, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So that, that's all I want to say. I mean, is, is it... It just we just had no energy and we had no no one to pick us up. Dude, do we want to talk any more about it? Do you want to have a bit more? Have another pound of flesh, guys. Just one. Yeah, thing. I don't know. What, one, sorry, just just one thing. I'll be very quick, but I don't know. And it's more to do with your manager again. You know, I look at. I don't know if he's been trying to copy or you know become this uh, hipster where he's listening to other managers, but he came up with one of the most bizarre quotes I ever heard. Um, after the game, after that Brighton game, and which made absolutely no sense. I don't even know what his analogy was trying to achieve. But he said, when you have just the trousers on, it's easy to take the trousers off as well. But when you, have, <laughs> when, when you are naked completely, you have to find the shirt to try to put it on again and dress normal what? again. And what? that's the dementia setting in. What the fuck? That's, that's, that's honestly dementia. Pat, you've got to get that clip for us. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what the reference is about, what he is trying to do, whether he's been listening to the Swansea manager with some of his quirky <laughs> stuff he's been saying, and he's trying to show that he's still with it. And this is, this is the mind-boggling thing about Wenger. You know, you're talking about a guy that I have huge respect for that pretty much to an extent revolutionized the game with the way in which he approached it with that Arsenal team. They were so brilliant to watch. They were absolutely, you know, mesmerizing at times for, for a period. And then he's, he's gone through the stage of, you know, um, of, I don't know what, apathy or boredom where, where, you know, it's just set into a phase where Arsenal don't excite anymore. And they've regressed to this extent. And, you know, it, it, gets, it, it is getting worse. And the Brighton game was just, you know, the cherry on top of that. On top of the cake. Your quote from Wenger is a perfect segue into our next segment, Con. Okay, it is the Wanker of the Week segment. And I thought, Tibbs, would you... David Bowie. It, it's, it, it, it's actually um, Adam Sandler. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tibbs, would you like to kick us off for Wanker of the Week? Who's your one single nomination? Yeah, I'm glad that you actually came to me first because I want to say that name that I'm pretty sure everyone wants to say, and it is it is Arsene Wenger. The man, the man just refuses to give up now, and you know he really should have a long time ago. 
So if if Arsenal, for example, say now, okay, come next season, we are looking for a new coach. Wenger will have the remaining games to, like, get the send-off that he, he really does deserve, I suppose. That pains me to say it, but he deserves a big send-off. But the way it's going to end for him, I think, is that it's just... He's refusing to, to give up, and it's going to just be a pile of shit for him. So, there we go. Well, so he Wenger. needs to... probably stole all your nominations. Wenger needs to walk. Yep. Who's the next? Yeah, Jared. Well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass, because uh, my wanker is Wenger. Uh-huh, there well, we go. But it's interesting, because I actually asked Jose Mourinho, who is Wanker of the Week was, and, 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 uh, and he said Wenger 2 and 2... Yeah, and, and I asked him why, and, and this is what he said. You know, he is a specialist in failing. <laughs> well, there we go. Ooh. So that was that was Jose Mourinho's contribution. Um, Daniel Haswell, who is your nom- nomination? Is this, is this, is this Wenger of the Week? <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to say no, well, Arsenal too, are you? No, 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 no. Uh, I, I may have been cu- accused of being stubborn or or obstinate or worse things a few times in the past. Never. Uh, so uh, A few times. So so I'll stick on that, and I'm still going with, with the, the FA, the English Football Association. Finally, they've they, they come up with this idea of the winter break. They've totally fudged that idea. It's a, it's a complete bugger up. It's not actually a break. It's a, I don't know what it is. <laughs> It's, it's a compromise. Of, it's a compromise of crazy sorts. Uh, the solution is clear: ditch the League Cup. It's a complete, complete waste of time. Start the FA Cup earlier. Give it the prominence it deserves. Put some, put some money into it first of all, and and you know, give it some focus. The, the problem with the FA Cup is it comes uh, first week of January, which is at the tail end of those crazy Christmas fixtures. Uh, so teams. The top teams struggle a bit to deal with it. So this is why you're getting uh, the lower premiership teams and the lower league teams putting out reserve sides because uh, they have to they have to give their players a break. But this is because you've had two league cup, two legged league cup semi-finals in December and all that rubbish. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. It's an absolute waste of time. So so stuff the FA. And they've also come out with ridiculous comments about Guardiola's yellow ribbons again. So I'm sticking with the FA two weeks in a row. So, so your solution is to get rid of the League Cup uh, and, yeah. and, and focus more on the FA Cup, have a special time during the year where the FA Cup is played. And do, do the players still get the rest, any rest in your plans? Well, the thing is then you're, you're already cutting, cutting down on, on some fixtures but you can also allocate the time more evenly, especially around that Christmas. Understand they don't want to do it because of, you know, the traditional Boxing Day and New Year's Day period, which which is fine. Um, so they could have the FA Cup third round earlier. They could have that, that competition starting a lot earlier than it does at the moment. And that's the problem, especially now uh, Champions League is very busy in February and March and this sort of thing, um, yeah, I really don't don't see the point of of the League Cup. The lower league teams as well; they've also got other various competitions, the trophy and the vase, and you know, EFL trophy. So yeah, get rid of it. 
Okay. Con, your wanker of the week. Um, look, I, I probably I could have stuck with the Wenger uh, theme, but poor bloke, I'm beginning to feel a little bit sorry for him. <laughs> I will go back to the greatest mine in football. Um, I don't know if you heard this latest one from my uh, man, Sol Campbell. No. Campbell in. Campbell in. Campbell in. He sits in. <laughs> Again, another one of those confusing, you know, he tried to show how smart he is with this with this little perla, and it's just a little quick line, but he said, um, you know, obviously the other clubs are negotiating and looking at different options, and he came out with, uh, if, if I'm appointed to the job, I'll be extremely happy. But if uh, they appoint somebody else, I'll be absolutely ecstatic. So um, <laughs> absolutely mind-boggling uh, stuff from the greatest mind in football, so to speak. Well, while Paul Campbell's just uh, said there that he actually has a chance of being appointed, I'd like to rule myself out of the race because I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm still in the race. I'm the, 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 the second Fair greatest ball. mind in football. Um <laughs> Well, Moving I'd to be my absolutely ecstatic if you got it, Pat. Thanks, Dan. But I'd be more ecstatic <laughs> if you got it. <laughs> Moving forward, my wanker of the week. So, listen, it does have a winger focus, but but listen, but it's more, it's more. That, listen, I was, I was watching the cricket, and what what, were the, what, what was the result between South know. Africa and Australia, guys? How, how did that pan out? Hey, this, this is going to be a red card for you. This is Can a football we, podcast. Can yeah, we but, stick to the football, please. Okay, so in, in the test match, which Australia just beat South Africa in, I was watching it, and in the crowd there were two people with signs, and the camera zooms in on them, and you know what the signs say? One says Wenger out, one says Wenger in, and and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like going, guys, what is this proving? This is... The only, yeah. the, the, no one's watching it. This is not a, a fashion statement to say that you got a, a winger out sign. This is not a, not, not, not the popular thing to do these days, or is it? It seems to be. But it's not the cool thing. All of this proves is that you are a wanker carrying a, carrying a <laughs> Liverpool Guernsey and an Arsenal <laughs> Guernsey to the, to the cricket and having winger out signs. So my wankers of the week are jointly to those two people in their soccer gear at the cricket and to the, TV camera people for actually putting them on the <laughs> television. So wankers of the week go to them for me. Someone's a bit touched. <laughs> okay. Now, we have a new segment. It is... And, 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 and uh, in in my regular catch-up with Jose Mourinho, I, I, I actually asked him, Jose... What should we call this segment? Because it's sort of, it's sort of the the person who's we think is the most irreplaceable or the most important player to to a particular team. And and he, he came up with a really good idea. And this is what he said. I think I'm a special one. That was a great idea, Jose. So he he said, I think I am the special one. So that is the segment we are going to call it the special ones. And because we've got the Arsenal focus, I'm going to show you how this is done. I'm going to pick Arsenal and tell you who the most important player at Arsenal. It was pretty easy previously when Sanchez was at the club. You may not think it's as easy now. So let's look at it from a statistical point of view. This player, see, see who can guess who this player is. This player has been injured a few times this year, but so has most Jack of the Wilson. Arsenal players. No. 
I mean, got no, no, I don't mean just randomly guess. From the clues I'm going to give you, <laughs> Con. Oh, okay. okay, so let's look at Arsenal's record this season, and it is 13 wins, six draws, and 10 losses. In the games where where this guy has played more than 60 minutes, it's 10 wins, two draws, four losses. But I mean, that's an improvement, but that doesn't tell you the full story. As I said. He was injured at the start of the year. He was injured a couple of times during the year. So if you take it from game week four when he started playing four games and then didn't take, don't take into account the games he came back straight from injury after four or five week absences, then suddenly the record with him at his full capacity in the team is 10 wins, two draws, two losses. Okay. That's when he's up and going. It is statistical so far, but that is quite an improvement. Does anyone know who he is? You're close with Jack Wilshire. Ooh, me, me. Aaron Ramsey. Ah, Daniel. Daniel gets it. Get him. And do you know why he has such an impact? The reason is his high stamina and work rate, which give him the the ability to make these unpredictable runs in an attacking sense, in a team that is otherwise too happy to just pass the ball sideways ad nauseum with only one striker as a target. The amount of times we go side to side to side to side to side to side to side, and we've got, I mean, I mean, Mkhitaryan, I'm sure he can pass to Ozil left or right to all day, but that's not getting us anywhere. What Ramsey does, he gives and goes. He plays one-twos. He's, he's always overloading the defence, giving them something to think about. Otherwise, we're very easy to defend against. We... We we just got midfielders pass it around. You 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 put someone on, on Obama Young, and he's never going to get the ball because no one's coming through, um, helping him out and giving you and helping him find a little space or just have one defender to contend with by Ramsey taking the other ones. So basically, he breaks the lines. And even when he's not scoring, his disruption to the opposition defensive structures is key to the scoring chances Arsenal create because there's tireless work running into that space. So to me, when I saw we weren't playing. Ramsey against Brighton, I thought, we're going to be in trouble. They're going to sit back, hit us on the counter, and we're not going to be able to penetrate. And uh, we had no energy. And, and that's why I think Aaron Ramsey is the Arsenal special one at the moment. We need him. He's the most important player in our team at the moment. Yeah, I like that one, Pat. Uh, not only because he's, he's a Welshman, uh, but I think Arsenal could have, could have learned from how Wales used him in the... In the European Championships, uh, because he seems to, he seems to after that have a similar role for Arsenal, and as you said, providing providing the overloads, uh, similar to how Lingard does for United. I think I said it last week or the week mm. before. United also look, United also look uh, flat without Lingard breaking the lines, providing the overloads. Uh, Ramsey does similar for Arsenal. So yeah, good point. Yeah, agreed. Even me. Everyone agrees. Oh, this is meant to be controversial. You meant to disagree with me, but we'll, we'll do that next week because I think we're going to hand it over to Con to do a Liverpool most important player next week. So this will be a very exciting one. And, you, and you're not allowed to say Salah. Actually, no, you might be... You might you, you, be, uh, yeah, pleasantly surprised. By ah, we'll see. Uh, this this will be good. Tell us something we don't know. 
Okay, but Henderson, we're getting, obviously. We are getting oh, to the end of our, our segment, but before we go, we've got this small item to get through. You So, Daniel Haswell. Well, yes, be- before we, we get the answer, does anyone know the answer from the current host? Yeah, have a go. Which uh, team in the EPL is the best conversion rate from corners? I'll, I'll just say, uh, right, I'll just say Brighton. Oh, I was mm. actually about to agree there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, what about what about Spurs? Um, Damn it! Go on. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with um, surprise, surprise. I'm gonna go with Liverpool. Oh, crosses! <laughs> oh, surprise! You guys won the second round. <laughs> I actually Probably think just, we, uh, we could just go through all the teams now. Yeah, Brighton actually one. Brighton are actually one of the worst, Pat. I think. Did they score with a with a corner against Arsenal from a corner? Yeah. Yes, that was actually their first one of the season. So <laughs> that's how bad Arsenal Arsenal were. I think the image of them scoring from corners is a recurring nightmare that Pat's been having for the last few years. Oh, I know. I thought they scored ten. Uh, what about Swansea? Yeah. I, Swansea, I've noticed going pretty good for them corners. No. No. I'll probably go with. Um... The mighty, uh, ooh, West Ham. Let's go with West Ham. <laughs> no, you guys haven't, you haven't even got a team in the top three yet, you guys. Jeez. Burnley. Okay, yeah. We're running out of uh, teams. Not Burnley either. Burnley, Burnley are actually worse than Brighton. I think they might have scored one on the weekend from a corner. I think that was also their first. Oh, wow. <laughs> Okay, Dan, so, you've, you've got us yeah, stumped. Who is it? Us. Yeah, it is Newcastle. Really? Uh, yeah. Newcastle have had 128 corners, and they've scored from seven of them, which is a grand total of just under 5.5%. Jeez. That's, it's actually not as not as good as I thought it would be. So, the, so that's so that's so that's the conversion rate for corners, uh, which makes you think. If you yeah. if you look at the the marginal gains theory, if you can just get a conversion rate up at around five percent, because imagine what Newcastle would be without that. In fact, I think it's it's seven of yes, a quarter of their of their twenty seven league goals have come from corners. One quarter. That's impressive, Dan. Impressive. Good stat. Good trivia. That's why we pay him the big bucks, Mr. Haswell. Okay, guys. He's getting paid? He's getting paid, sorry. (laughs) That brings us to the end of our podcast, guys. Next week, join us. We are going to do a bit of a Liverpool analysis and see what has gone right for them. And Con and Jared, hopefully, leading the lines there. See you, guys. Have a great week. See you next week. Football, football, football.